Hello, I'm Nick Baker, and this is the UK Wildlife Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the UK Wildlife Podcast. I'm Neil Phillips and I'm afraid there's no Victoria this episode. She's having a little break but she'll be back in a couple of episodes. Now after the success of our recent Stag Beetle episode I've decided to do another short one on one subject. So I'm going to skip all the news and what have you. Just a quick thank you to everyone for your recent listens. Thanks to you guys. Uh, we've now passed 17,000 downloads which is really nice. I imagine if you listen to this, you've probably listened to the Seashore episode. That's had some nice feedback on that. We had a tweet from George, who you might know as Eyes Open Wild from Twitter. And he said, Good morning, peeps. Inspired by UK Wildlife and Vic's Picks, that's me and Vic, Rock Pauline podcast, I decided to show some seaside-related photos this morning. Get the kids out and into nature this weekend. Loads to see, loads to explore. And he's spot on, and there's a nice set of photos of some strand line finds he's got there so uh, go check that out so I'm gonna go straight in today's special episode topic the Hydra now for those unfamiliar with Hydra they're a small relative of jellyfish coral sea anemones part of that group the Nardarians and they're basically these small green generally sometimes brown creatures that live attached to plants and other substrates and they have a long thin body and a set of tentacles kind of like a skinny sea anemone might be a good analogy now, most Nidarians, like the jellyfish you might think of and sea anemones at the beach, are found in marine environment, but there are a few found in the fresh water, and the hydra are the most common. There's at least three, possibly four species in the UK. There's the green hydra, which is small and green, two brown-coloured hydra, and a fourth species, which has been recorded once or twice in the UK. They're quite simple creatures. They basically have a long body of up to 12 tentacles on, and this surrounds a mouth, but when they're threatened, they can retract all these tentacles and body in and just turn into like a little blob, and it's quite hard to find them when they're like this. Being Nidarians, they have quite a simple body plan. They have just two layers of tissue and no anus, so basically the tentacles catch food, take it to the mouth, it's engulfed by this mouth, digested by cells on the inside of the body cavity, and then when they've digested what they can, they then spit out what's left, which is quite interesting to imagine for creatures like us. So, as I've mentioned before, their lifestyle is mainly sedentary, they can move around a bit, but they'll attach themselves to sort of sunken wood, plants, quite often you find them underneath duckweed and water lily, and they have been known to hang from just the water surface. I'm going to talk a little bit about the three most common species. Probably the best known is the green hydra, Hydra viderissima, which the body length is about 5 to 10 millimetres long, perhaps a little bit longer with the tentacles, and these are generally found attached to plants. They only live in well-lit areas. There's the brown hydra, uh, of which there's two species this name has been applied to, but usually it applies to Hydra oligatis. And these can be much bigger, so the body can be 25mm long, and the tentacles can be up to 100mm long, that's 10cm. So they can be quite big, and you tend to find these in rivers, lakes, and ponds, but only in the slower flowing regions of the flowing water. And it's a bit less fussy than the green hydra, as it can be found in sort of less well-lit areas. And there's another species, Hydra vulgaris, which again is brown like the previous species, but it has much shorter tentacles and a slightly shorter maximum body length of 15 millimetres. And this one tends to be more common in shady parts of lakes. Their full species, Hydra circumcincta, has recorded a few times in the UK. Can't find much info about them. Now, all of these species are predatory. So 
Like their marine relatives of jellyfish and sea anemones, they have nematocysts, which are stinging cells armed with venom. So when some prey swims past, usually a cyclops or a water flea, they brush against tentacle. Tentacle fires these stinging cells, which grip onto and obviously start to paralyse the creature. And then they retract their tentacles towards their mouth and eat them. Now, some of the larger specimens can take bigger prey, including small fish fry and newt tadpoles. And if you look in sort of aquarium keeping guides and books and pond keeping guides, they, they actually refer to them as a pest because they will actually eat fish fry if you're trying to breed fish. The green hydra is a bit different to the others, although it can also feed in that typical fashion. They also have a symbiotic relationship with algae, chlorella species, which actually lives inside the tissue of the hydra. And this is why they will head towards light and like well-lit areas, because these algae obviously need light from which they can photosynthesise to make food, which they obviously share with the hydra. In return, the algae get to live in the body of an animal protected by its stinging cells and the body itself. And of course the hydra will take it towards light areas so they can photosynthesise more. The hydra will also provide some nutrients to them. Now because of this dependence on light, that does mean they don't do so well in winter and the adult hydra do tend to die off. But they can overwinter as an egg and they'll wait until it warms up and gets a bit more light in spring before they hatch and start their life cycle again. Now of course the brown hydra are less dependent on light so they can survive as an adult. If conditions get bad they can overwinter as an egg as well. Now I've said hydra are fairly sedentary but of course they can move around as I mentioned the green hydra need to move towards the light and they can basically slide around on the foot that attaches them to the substrate but they have another rather more interesting way of moving around they can basically cartwheel so they'll bend their body over grab the surface with their tentacles and then swing their body over the top and attach that and so on now don't do this really quickly it's kind of like a, a slow motion cartwheel yeah it's quite an interesting method of movement really and some hydra are a bit crafty and they will attach themselves to sort of the shells of snails and stuff which are obviously going to hunt around where the plants are and they can move around that way which takes them to new food sources and towards the light so that's quite clever when it comes to reproduction Hydra can reproduce asexually and the way they do that is they basically grow a bud, a little clone of themselves on the side of their body. So first of all a bump will appear on the edge of the body and that will slowly elongate before tentacles appear. You end up with basically a sort of almost like a two-headed hydra or two sets of tentacles and as these get bigger and bigger eventually they just detach and go off and live on their own. As I mentioned they can reproduce sexually and create eggs and the way they do this is the hydra grows male or female sex organs on the side of the body wall and releases sperm into water if it's a male or the female sits and waits and when the sperm comes in it fertilizes the egg while it's on the hydra. Now this egg is then covered in a protective coating and when the hydra dies it can just sit on the bottom waiting until conditions improve and through this they can survive either the cold of winter or if the pond dries out they can survive the drought and then they'll hatch when conditions are suitable for them to grow. Now there's been quite a bit of work done on hydra because they have really amazing regenerative abilities so they can recover from injuries very easily. A bit like you might have heard with flatworms, if you cut one in two both halves can recover and turn into two different individuals. One thing that is really interesting to scientists is they don't seem to age like other animals. So as you can imagine there's been quite a lot of work trying to work out why this is and how they do it. Within the groups and Nidarians a jellyfish that seems to be able to revert back to its larval form and back into adult form at will and never die. So th this group they're a lot simpler than us but sometimes the simpler designs work better in many ways. Now the species I've been speaking about so far are strictly freshwater but there are similar species to be found in rock pools and fully marine environment but also there 
you are more likely to find the colonial hydra species Cordylephora lacustris. And this lives as a group of what are called hydroids. So a hydra is like a singular hydroid, so a body with a set of tentacles. And the, but these colonial ones have many clumps of hydroids and on like on a branching stem basically. And these live quite often attached to rocks and man-made structures and it's typically a brackish water species but does sometimes turn up in freshwater canals and rivers and places like that. Now finding hydra is quite tricky. You don't need a microscope although it can be quite handy to see them up close but they are quite small as, as I've said you know big ones are 25 millimeters without tentacles and they're typically about a centimeter long when you find them or the ones I found anyway. Uh, so just catching putting a net through the water is not a brilliant way of seeing them really because they tend to be attached to things and they shrivel up into a tiny ball when they're startled or disturbed so they're not the easiest thing to find but there are a few techniques to help you find them. The classic one is to collect some duckweed. Um, I found ivy leaf duckweed is quite effective with this or some hornwort or you know a bit of water lily leaf. Put it in a jar, put that jar on a windowsill not in direct sunlight but where it's light and if there's any green hydra on there they will crawl away from the weed towards the brighter light they get from the glass usually on the side of the window and you'll see these little green blobs appear on the glass and if you look closely with magnifying glass you can spot them so take the jar put it somewhere and let it let it settle for a minute and then the hydra will start to come out of their blob and you'll be able to see them a bit easier and you can then you know get spoon and gently tease them out and put them in so you can see them a lot closer but there's other ways to find them as well i've quite often if you in an established pond if you catch snails you'll find them attached to the snail shell in fact the very first one i ever saw was attached to a snail shell funny enough and i've had some experience with them on pea shell cockles which are these tiny little bivalve shelled mollusks you get in ponds and lakes about a centimeter across and i photographed one one day got home put it up this one centimeter shell come up huge on my monitor at home well, those green blobs zoomed in and there's an entirely little hydra on there. So obviously the juveniles are really small. These would have been about a millimetre long, max probably even smaller. So the next day I went and caught some more pea shell cockles, looked very closely, couldn't see them, photographed them. And then when I got home, again, it had hydra on them. So you've got to look closely to find some of the smaller ones. But I think the best find accidentally I ever had of them was a few years ago. I caught a red-eyed damselfly nymph one winter, took it home to photograph it. Now when it stopped on the plant, I could see something coming off of its abdomen. And there was a brown hydra attached to the abdomen of a damselfly nymph. So that was a bit of a turn up for the books. Didn't realise they are attached to arthropods as well. But you can sometimes just find them by chance. So if you take some vegetation again and put it in a tank and just leave it to settle for a bit, sometimes you'll find some great big huge brown hydra you didn't spot before just hanging off it as I have done recently this year. Now in terms of what ponds to look at and where to look you want slower flowing bits of rivers generally would be best and ponds and lakes, well established ponds and lakes are much better. Obviously the hydra have got to get in there somewhere and they can't fly between ponds. The eggs can be moved around sediment and plants and so you're more likely to find them I imagine in an established pond. That's certainly been my experience anyway. But I thought I'd finish this part of the podcast by also mentioning another type of idea and that very occasionally turns up in the UK and believe it or not, it's a type of jellyfish. We do occasionally get one species of freshwater jellyfish in the UK. It actually turns up around the world. It's native to China, but it's turned up in quite a lot of places. I believe it's actually invasive in some countries. But being a tropical to subtropical species, it doesn't survive our winters. So what well, it seems to get introduced somehow with plants from abroad and things like that. The first one, in fact, turned up in the Regent's Park Botanic Gardens 
1880, discovered by William Sowerby, and it's actually named after him. So they turned up Victoria now, but in 1928, one was actually found in the unheated waters of Exeter Ship Canal. And since the 1980s, there's been more and more sightings, I guess, as it's been warmer, and perhaps we're importing more stuff as well. And they tend to turn up in canals, shallow freshwater lakes, and flooded quarries. It's a sort of classic place you find them. So keep your eye out for them. They do actually have a hydroid light stage where they're attached, but you don't tend to find them. Um, I don't think they've ever been recorded in the UK. The adults are these tiny little inch across sort of moon jellyfish type jellyfish with longer tentacles than a moon jellyfish but yeah I'd love to see those so if anyone does ever find one do let me know I'd love to come and try and photograph one of those but that is the probably much all I'm going to say on hydra and jellyfish in this short special episode I'm just going to say a few final things the next episode will be on newts and Steve Alan is coming back for another episode he's going to actually co-host it with me this time in Victoria's absence so if you have any questions on British newts just let us know and yeah I mean if you've got some herpetological questions I might be able to have time to ask Steve them as well so anything reptile and or amphibian related um, just let us know Vic will be back for the episode after if all goes to plan we're having a really good guest lined up for that we're going to talk about a fairly topical and to some controversial topic i'll start attacking a few of those and we have another special guest lined up for the end of august start of september which is another controversial subject again so we're going to start tackling some of these more controversial issues and if you really like your pond creatures and you want to know how to photograph them i suppose this is a good time for me to plug my workshop with surrey wildlife trust um, if you go on my website you can see the details which is at www.uk wildlife.co.uk and that's pretty much it for me i said it'd be a short one remember you can find us at uk wildlife pod on twitter uk wildlife podcast or one word on instagram and uk wildlife podcast on facebook so i'll see you all next time when we'll be talking about newts bye <laughs>